Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Define University podcast. I am so excited. This is one of my favorite types of episodes to record. It is another episode in the Share Your Story series. And this week, I am so excited to bring to you Danielle and Amanda from Navigating Behavior Change. I have been following this dynamic duo on Instagram for I don't even know how long it's been, ladies, weeks, months, um, a long time, but I have absolutely love everything that you put out, and I, it was a no-brainer when I started this series to have you guys on, so I am so excited you are here today, and thank you guys for joining. Thank you for the invite. We are so to be here. Thank you. We are. All right, so I, we all share a commonality. We are all BCBAs, Um, but what I really want to dive into today is kind of our journeys before that. So I love hearing from educators what it is that, you know, where our stories start. So what it is that, you know, kind of motivated us to go into the education field. For me, the easy answer is my second grade teacher. She is that teacher for me that was like, man, as soon as I was in her class, I was hooked. I was, I was doing school at home with my kid, you know, my, my kids, I call my kids, with my, you know, my stuffed animals, with my Barbies, whatever it was. Um, as I got older, you know, I was like, mom, buy me the, I had the, the pen that had the red tip and the blue tip and the greater, you know, I was, I was all in. And it really was that second grade teacher that, that kind of did it for me. There's been other reasons along the way. Um, but I'm curious, what inspired or motivated each of you to go into the education field? <laughs> okay, Danielle signaling that I am going first. Um, so I didn't have that early start of knowing I wanted to be an educator. Um, I actually wanted to be an ichthyologist for a long, long time. I loved fishing, and I would often um, spend my summer days biking to nearby lakes and going fishing. Um, my mom worked for Fish and Wildlife, and so, you know, you always look up to your parents, uh, and she got to do a lot of cool things like that. But I actually took a psychology course in high school, and that's when I was hooked on psychology. Um, and that kind of got me into uh, my undergrad where I I got an undergraduate degree in um, psychology. And from there, you know, you can't do a whole lot with a a bachelor's in psychology. So I had to start kind of discovering what I wanted to do next. And I, um, I looked very, very young for my age at that point. And I, I really felt that, you know, going into counseling psychology wouldn't be a good fit because here I was this teeny tiny young looking, um, lady and I didn't know how serious people would take me and um, I wasn't really comfortable or super excited about counseling anyways. Uh, So at that point I started researching all the other options um, for a psychology degree um, and graduate work and landed on school psychology and uh, spent a lot of time researching and getting into that and I think it was really once I got to internship that I was like yeah I chose right. 
this education stuff, this is awesome, right? And as a school psychologist, we're educational psychologists. That's what my degrees are in. Um, and that was really that, that intro point. You know, I just, I didn't think anyone would take me seriously as a counselor looking, you know, like I looked like I was 15 and I was 22, you know. Um, so I really went into that school psychology so that I'd be working with students and I, I often joked, you know, they'd, at the elementary level, I was typically taller than them. I'm not very tall either. Um, but at least the students were, you know, shorter than me and uh, I looked older than them and it was a nice little intro. Um, into education and things have you know grown from there well I played with bugs when I was little at recess so I feel like you and I would have gotten along and maybe that's why we're such good friends now <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, for me my mom taught for roughly 35 years first grade the whole way um, and I would always hang out in her classroom and come in when the kids were there sometimes I'm not sure why I wasn't at school, um, but they would always give her the quote unquote tough students, right? And she always turned them around and said, not that she had any favorites, but they held that special place in her heart. Um, and I think that's why, you know, I love the tough kids, kind of the ones that are, are the most difficult to work with um, because we get them, right? Um, and then my high school teachers that told me that they didn't go into education for the money and kind of if you love your work, you're not working a day in your life. Um, when I, well, I got my master's degree in special education and when I was doing my internship, I realized, hey, I'm getting my master's and I still don't know all there is to know when it comes to navigating behavior, right? Which is kind of why we came up with that name. and. I first started off um, my career in a separate day school where Amanda then later joined. And I realized that my master's in special education, I loved my teacher, shout out to University of Vermont, but we, we weren't well enough prepared in terms of classroom management. And I feel like that's just across the board at most universities and what most teachers feel like they wish they knew more about because it's really the foundation of, of learning to be able to sit there and to be able to attend and have conversations and cope with the things around you, right? Um, so I was kind of looking around, noticing that all these other teachers had masters in special education, but we were a quote unquote behavior school. And if I was going to get these children to that level of independence that I knew they could get to, I needed to learn more about this field. Um, and then when Amanda came along, she was kind of just on speed dial for me. And I would say, oh my gosh, come down to my classroom, I need help with this student, or SOS, am I reinforcing you know, quickly enough, or am I using this token board right? Or, how do I get him to do his uh, long division? And she would come in saying, well, he's not behaving, so you can't teach. You need to get the behaviors under control before you can teach. And I know you went into this field because you wanted to teach, but really, you know, we say behavior comes first, but really you have to do it all, <laughs> which is what makes teaching so fun and so complex. But I really had to shift my perspective and shift my approach and really learn how to target and teach those behaviors and those skills that they were missing in order to do my job better. I, I love that. And you both hit on two huge things I think that I really could resonate with. And the first being, you don't have to have it all figured out. 
right? So when I, when I was, you know, I think back to, to being a kid, even in college, BCBA wasn't mentioned, you know, really behavior wasn't mentioned. I was, I was in the same boat as you, Danielle, that I was like, okay, you know, I had my undergrad in gen ed and special ed, I got my master's in special ed, and then I'm teaching and I'm realizing I don't know anything about behavior. What I learned in my one behavior management class it's not cutting it. This is not, this is not working. And, and I knew it wasn't anything to do with the kids. I knew it was, I, I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have the confidence to do what needed to be done, which is what led me down that path as well. Um, but I think as each of us have kind of shared in our own way, it's, you know, if this, if there's a new teacher listening, like you don't have to have it figured out, right? You're on your journey and everybody's on their, on their path. And we, pro you know, we have this process, we trust the process. But knowing that where you're, where you're at, that's the beauty of it. We get to keep learning and growing every day. Um, the other thing is that you don't have to do it alone. You know, I love that you guys, that you guys do it together. Or if you were on those hard days, you knew you had that person to say, hey, just give it to me straight. <laughs> Be real with me. What is it that I'm missing? Um, because I think that's so quickly we can feel like we're on our own island. We can feel alone. I know I did in the classroom. And whether it's through people face-to-face -face or whether it is through a virtual lens, you know, my, my hope and goal for every educator is they have that, that partner, that person they can count on because we're not meant to do it alone. Um, at least that's where, you know, that's where I kind of stand. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, we, we always claim to not know everything. And I think that's what really makes a good consultant and a good educator is being okay with not knowing everything. And, you know, it makes you, you know, more down to earth, more real, more relatable. And, you know, we are quote unquote experts in the field, but we aren't experts to that level of degree that, you know, some may think, and we are constantly reading, we are constantly researching, we are constantly mm -hmm. doing professional developments. Um, you know, we love that, but we want to make sure that people are aware that we don't have all the answers and behavior is complex. And if you, again, if we did have all the answers, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> Right. And I think that's really true. And that, that just that honesty about it. I, I can't remember how many times that even Danielle called me up and said, Oh my gosh, what do I do in this situation? How do I approach this? And I've said, I need to think on that. I need to do some research because I don't know right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's okay to, to do that. And it's okay to remember, just like you said, Lindsay, that we're all learning this together. I know that in my graduate program as a school psych, Again, I had one behavior class just like you guys did. I was actually a graduate assistant, and one of my roles was to type up all the course responses from the evaluations um, for the SPED department. And they had their one SPED class that the gen ed teachers had to take. And I remember like just like being baffled because they'd all the response would be like, "Well, this was a pointless class. We're not going to teach these kids. We aren't going to have them in our rooms." And even then, I was like, "Well." that's not true um but this you know and that was before i was actually out in internship and in the field and really knew that that wasn't true but i feel like our programs oftentimes just aren't sufficient right um and as a school psych it wasn't sufficient for me and that's why i went back and did my coursework in the bcba um gained that cert um and that's why we want to share so much of this knowledge with all of our educators because it's not something that everybody just gets and learns um, or even has within their program. I, think I totally. 
being open to learning is really what makes you a good educator or a better educator. And, you know, I always joke, you know, you can, there's those people that like to know a little about a lot or a lot about a little. I like to know a lot about a lot, right? but <laughs> no one knows everything and that is okay. I think for me, that's been, so, so one of the, the things that I, not my claim to fame, but the thing that I focus on the most is connecting in relationships. And I think in, in, our, in our field, it can get quickly, um, in our field, meaning the BCBA realm, it can get quickly overlooked because we want to jump to strategies. And I always, I always find myself bringing it back, just like you said, we, we got to work with the student before we can take that next step. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of teachers is, but how do I connect? Like, what do I do? And I think for me, it's, I, I literally rest on, sometimes I don't know. And so if a student is asking me questions, you know, teachers will always say, you seem so, you know, it, it seems so genuine that you don't know. I'm like, guys, I really don't know. I have no idea what it is they're telling me. If they're talking about Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever it is, I own it. I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Tell me more about that. And I spend a few minutes getting to know, you know, we, you know, you can call it pairing, you can call it building rapport. It doesn't matter. Let's call it, it's connecting providing that genuine attention. And sometimes it's not even, you know, I'm not, I'm not faking anything. It's, I literally don't know. And I'm just using that as a lens to connect with the student because once we have that safety and that trust, sometimes we don't even then need the strategies because they get it. They know that we're there to support them. They know that we're there to push them, to make them, you know, better, but we're going to make them better on through their definition of what success gets to look like for them. And then if we do need strategies, well, having the safety and the trust is essential because then they know we're going to be there both during the times of success, but also the times when things don't go well. And I think that is so any teacher listen, and that is the, that is the utmost importance because without that, it just comes down to compliance. And at the end of the day, we want teaching, we want learning and growing, not just mm -hmm. teaching. So looking at those and thinking about mission, I would love for you guys to share a little bit more about how navigating behavior change came about um, and what kind of your mission as educators are um, either in the classroom or, or out of the classroom. You know, we really strive to make this whole behavior change process easy and less overwhelming because as we know, behavior is complex and behavior change takes time. Um, children don't develop behaviors overnight, right? They have usually a longer history of, of occurrence and being reinforced. And we always use the metaphor in our professional developments, like one salad won't make you skinny, but one dessert won't make you overweight. And, and it takes time and just knowing that and being okay with that. But we also joke that, you know, from our outsider's perspective, our, our behavior program that we work in, you know, people think it's, it's magic, right? What are you doing in that program? What are these strategies you're using? And it's really not magic, right? We don't have this wand that we're waving over these kids to get them to follow directions and all of a sudden cope with stressors. It's, it's systematic teaching. It's research and evidence-based strategies. Anyone can implement these. And our goal is to, again, make it less overwhelming and really break it down so that anyone can do it because anyone can do it with the right level of support. Um, and really to indirectly help that population of students that 
that others find more difficult to reach or difficult to work with by teaching educators because there's not a lot of us in this field and we really need to build capacity and empower any educator, anyone working with this population of students to, to feel comfortable and to feel competent and confident um, because you can do it. Um, and again, it just, it just takes some level of systematic teaching and instruction and someone there to support you through that, um, which is what we are here for. And recognizing that, again, that need that our programs across the country aren't necessarily meeting this need already. So there's a lot of great educators who want to learn. And then that part's really reinforcing to us that then we're able to help people who are reaching out and who are engaged in that learning process, because let's face it, in our daily lives in a school district, not everybody wants to learn um, or is as receptive. And so sometimes there can be those frustrations um, of who you're trying to you know, support um, and so through navigating behavior change, selfishly, we get a lot of reinforcement because the people coming to us are wanting to learn, um, but we're also helping to meet that need that is lacking in educator prep programs. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, one of the, or the domains that I often fall on in defining diversity is mindset, language, and action. And, and I'm hearing that exactly from you guys too, that in order to, you know, have that confidence, feel competent, you guys are breaking down behavior change into simple steps, into simple steps that I'm going to take, because if I understand it, if I, if I know why I'm doing it, if I have the right mindset, if I'm ready to make that change, to connect with that child, to make behavior change simple, not only for the child, but so that as the teacher, I'm not overwhelmed, I'm not second guessing every decision I'm making, then, then it gets to be easy. It gets to be simple and easy. It does not mean there's going to be tough days. It doesn't mean there's going to be tough moments. But it means that when those come, again, we bring it back to that empowerment, that feeling of that, that, that confidence, that competence, which is what, you know, I believe every educator is seeking. And if we can break down often one of the barriers, which is behavior, I think it gives that, that ability for people to understand, educators to understand, I am making a difference. And what I'm doing is purposeful and meaningful and I'm making those connections. And I love that you guys break it down. Um, that was one of the things I think that, that cued me into you guys is you're, you're, I think we share, share the same love of visuals <laughs> and, and the ability of to break down the, the complex things into simple, into simple statements. So if anyone listening has not checked out um, the website, I think that's, that's the primary place I know, but beyond Instagram, that's where I know to find you guys. Um, even just, even your blog posts, I, you know, I shared so many of those with parents over the last uh, few months with, you know, with everything at home, because I think your ability to really break down some of those larger behavior components into understandable um, language, into things that can be easily understood, was truly was truly a tool that that I so appreciated. Um, and and knowing that, knowing you have the blog, you're you're launching a, a behavior institute, which I would love for you guys to share more about. What continues to inspire you? What continues to excite you about kind of the direction that education is going? I think for me, it's it's other educators that are in the same boat or have been in the same boat um, that that are willing and wanting to learn, right? Because if you if you don't have that growth mindset or you're you're really stuck in your ways or or comfortable with being comfortable, behavior change is gonna be a lot more difficult. Um, and kind of going back to we don't know all the things, 
we want to keep learning ourselves and I really respect others in that want to continue learning as well. Um, and then, so I can learn from them too. And, you know, so many times we, we do what we feel is right or we, we implement something that is really popular, but not necessarily research or evidence-based. And I really am inspired and really respect those who make decisions based on how those decisions are going to have an effect on the students um, and hopefully a positive way because it can be easy to just do all the things and try all the things and train on all the things. But if, if we're not really considering what effect it's going to have on the student, what effect it's going to have on the class and the staff and the parents, right? We're, we're losing focus um, and we're losing that, that, that vision of keeping the student at the center of all of our decisions, really. Do you, so one of the things that I hear from educators a lot, especially, I will say, especially educators that work a lot with behavior or students that demonstrate behavior, um, is, is, that, is that quickness of becoming overwhelmed. And one of the things I talk with them about, or one of the questions I guess I ask is, what do you do for fun outside of work? What do you do to fill your cup, right? The, the saying, you know, we can say any of them. What do you do for self-care? And it's, I often get one of two things. I often get, are you, are you serious? Are you kidding? No, you know, or I get the deer in the headlight. Like, I don't even know how to answer that question. And, and I know for me personally, I was there. I, I, I lived through the burnout. It was, and I actually am very grateful for it because it taught me so much about the importance of putting myself for putting myself first, understanding the, the components between behind mental health and self-care and all that goes into that. So I'm curious, um, one, what, what both of you do for, for fun, for self-care, um, but then also how do you help educators remind themselves that, that this is an essential part of being an educator is making sure you have time for yourself outside of the work environment. Uh, for me, um, I also have two children, so self-care is super important because otherwise my patience with them just disappears. Uh, so what I do, I run. I like to run. Um, and so I'm constantly running and training and making sure that even in the winters in Alaska, I'm getting outside and I'm running. Uh, I also work with, um, I have two German Shepherds and I do scent work with the youngest one. And so that's uh, one of my new kind of hobbies and self-care components. And then I stay up late and read after the kids go to bed um, and my husband goes to bed. And um, those are kind of my three things that I, I do. Um, and then in regards to how we encourage others, you know, it's a big part of um, what we talk about um, oftentimes in um, just our, our meetings when I'm talking about, you know, presenting an FBA BIP to not only the, the parent, but the team. Um, making sure that we hit on those components of, you know, you have to let this go. You've got to, you know, leave work at work. Um, you've got to find that time because you, you have to re-energize re and revitalize or you won't be any good to yourself or to the students um, or to your own family um, when you're, you know, not taking care of yourself. Um, we, we touch on it too in our PD and our, our professional development, um, but... A lot of times I think in the day-to-day -day actual life, you know, um, in our particular roles in our, our day jobs, um, you know, Danielle is getting to do a lot more consultation and I sit in a lot of meetings. Um, and so we probably have some different opportunities. And so I'll let Danielle share what she, what well, she does. I, 
I used to be that teacher that was burnt out. I was, I was that teacher that spent every night at school, every weekend at school. And I think what's difficult about education, but which also makes it so amazing, is that there's always so much more you can be doing. And that was really difficult for me for quite a few years because I would just rack my brain at night. I would rack my brain all day. I would rack my brain after school. What else could I be doing? This didn't go right. You know, as educators, we're, we're problem solvers and our brain is always going 90 miles an hour. And it was very tough for me to, to turn that off. Um, and if I had a student who was exhibiting, you know, challenging behaviors pretty frequently, I would, I would take that personally for quite a few years and really bust my butt trying to figure out what other accommodation can I put in place? What else do I need to be teaching? Am I teaching the right way? Am I, you know, all of the things. And it took me quite some time to really learn to shut that off and I, I set a goal that I would leave before five and I had all my other teacher friends hold me accountable and check in and make sure I was out of my classroom on time. And I had to be okay with just being okay with it at the end of the day, knowing that I did my best, knowing that I still loved my kids. They knew that I loved them. They knew I was there for them. Um, and it, it took a while, I'll be honest. And, you know, our, our piece, of, my piece of advice when it comes to, you know, education or challenging behaviors is that start small, start with one thing. Because again, sometimes we try to do all the things because we want that behavior to decrease and, you know, we want to build independence. But sometimes, oftentimes, doing more is, it can be more harmful. And again, we're natural problem solvers and it's, it can be, again, easy to jump in and try all those tools that we've learned and all those tricks in our, our box that we've learned over the years. Um, but often, you know, for me, that made me feel even more overwhelmed, even more tired, even more frustrated. Mm -hmm. And behavior change is going to take time either way, right? So you are better off starting small, starting with a simple intervention taking some data for a few weeks and then revisiting. And oftentimes, which is kind of counterintuitive to what a lot of people believe, the most simple strategies can sometimes have the biggest impact. Um, Absolutely. That's kind of my advice. Just start small and be okay with just doing one thing and doing it well. I love that. And, and you're so right. I, you know, I think it's, we, we always hear, you know, the first step is the hardest. You know, that first step to get going is often the hardest yet we still want to make that step like the most complex thing. So we end up, you know, again, that counterintuitive nature, whereas, you know, I will also often say, start small, start simple and strategic. And the strategy doesn't mean it's a specific thing or that, but make it apply to you. Make sure the change, you know, whatever self-help you're doing or whichever topic you're looking at, don't do it because somebody else is doing it and it's working for them. Do it because it's going to, you know, what, what you want for you. So I think that's very quickly how people fall into what I call shouldville or the should trap because that's ultimately what it is. Well, they did it, so it should work for me. Or that, they're, they're having success, I should do that. Doesn't mean it's not a great strategy, but we got to make sure we apply it to ourselves and what our personal goals are. 
Otherwise, we're chasing someone else's dreams, not, not our own. So I absolutely love that. And I would love to, last question to kind of wrap things up, is just to kind of share a piece of advice or your favorite tip or trick, anything that you want to share with our listeners today. Hmm. Well, I, I got to think on that one. <laughs> Mine is kind of just what I, what I talked about is, is, start small and don't, don't overwhelm yourself with doing everything. You know, a lot of times behavior, you know, we could get some good change. We can make some really good impact with again, simple cost effective, most of the time free strategies or interventions. And, you know, you know, reading um, and fluency and comprehension and writing that we work on for years and that is always developing as well as behavior. But a lot of times behavior change can, can come pretty simple. Um, and again, that's, that's our main goal is to make it simple, make it easy, make it less mm -hmm. overwhelming. Um, and just know that, you know, whoever's listening out there, you are doing amazing already, right? If you're continuing to learn, if you're continuing to find ways to, you know, improve your classroom and take time for yourself, because that in the end is going to make you a better educator for your students and have an impact if you're there and you're present. Um, and try not to compare yourselves to others, right? That teacher of the year, the people with, you know, a million followers, you are doing amazing no matter where you are. And if you show up every day, and if you show up with a smile on your face for the kids, you're already off to a great start. And I think I would add to that, you know, be open. Um, be open to learning from others around you. Be open to consultation because, we just like our students fall into their patterns of behavior we do the same and sometimes we can be very you know because it is overwhelming and it's it's challenging to change our own behavior uh sometimes we can be more reluctant to attempt to to change what we're doing or how we're doing something or to even take on the challenge of learning something new um, and so I would encourage educators to be open to that because we have a lot of talented people in our educational systems who know a lot um, and have a lot of information to share and knowledge to share. And I think being open to learning from others around us and being willing to go out of our comfort zone to change what we're doing can be really powerful with great outcomes for our students. I love that. I always, you know, it reminds me of, you know, there's no ceiling to expansion. You know, there is no ceiling to say, well, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I've learned all that I can learn. It truly is endless, which can be scary, but I choose to look at it. It can be the most exciting thing too, because the more that I learn means the more that I grow, which means the more connections I can have with any student or staff that I might interact with on a daily basis. And so I so appreciate connecting further with you two today, and I would love for the listeners of Define You to be able to connect with you as well. Can you share with them um, kind of where the best place is to find them, things that, things that they can look for, um, anything you guys want to share about navigating behavior change would be amazing. Sure. You can find us on Instagram, Navigating Behavior Change. Um, we also are at www.navigatingbehaviorchange.com. We have a series of blogs that we're running and updating consistently. And in a few weeks, we are about to launch the Behavior Institute, which we are very excited about and we have been working on for a very long time. Um, it's going to be a growing 
bundle of webinars and trainings and resources and data sheets for all you data nerds out there and a really great community um, to kind of bounce ideas off of one another. And it's a, it's a place to learn um, and a place to grow as, as an educator if you're interested in learning more about that behavior change process and, and really how to make it easy for yourself as an educator. And one of the cool things that we're doing with that is we're differentiating our content because we are so passionate about behavior change that we recognize that it's not just for teachers, um, it's not just for school psychs, it's not just for BCBAs, but counselors and OTs and PTs and admin. And so we are going to have um, different content for different skill sets, um, recognizing that you know most school psychs and, and BCBAs would have additional training that perhaps a, a classroom teacher may not or a school counselor may not. Um, and so we're going to um, separate that out so that we have kind of a, you know, a more personalized attempt at um, providing that content to our different, you know. So twice the work on our part, but there are two of us. So I guess technically I can't get away with saying that. <laughs> but again, we, we love this. This is not work to us. We enjoy doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you see that through, um, through our website and through our social media. I, I absolutely love it. I love everything about your site. Um, I'm probably there daily. So if you're listening, go check it out. Um, and I love that you're doing that personalized piece because I think, you know, when we look at something like professional development, it really is about providing content, but let's tailor it just like we do for our students in the classroom. Mm -hmm. If, you know, one of the things I've been really uh, learning more about is, is the concept of mastery learning or self-paced learning in the classroom to really identify what it is that, that our students need to know. And if someone's moving faster, great, they get to keep moving faster. And if someone's a little, you know, a little slower, then great, we're gonna tailor it to meet them. And so I think by doing that by different roles really provides that, that content to be understood and then implemented, because that's, that's the goal, is that we hear it, but then we also go do it and take action on it. So, so excited to, to see that launch and I will, I can't wait. So everyone else stay tuned as well. Um, and ladies, I just thank you so much for being on today, for sharing your stories and, and really all the work you are doing to truly make behavior change simple and easy because guys, you've heard it here, it really can be. It just takes those small, simple steps over time. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. We really enjoyed being here. And again, we love your page and we love following you and everything you stand for. Um, and we just appreciate being able to connect like this. So thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Just like that, we have another episode for the Share Your Story series. Thank you so much, Amanda and Danielle from Navigating Behavior Change for sharing all of your wisdom, all your tips, and for everything you do every single day to really allow behavior to be simple and easy because at the end of the day, isn't that what we are all about? I certainly know that's what we are all about here at Define You. Uh, and so to wrap up today's episode, I want to remind you that if you're not part of the Define You crew formally yet, come join us. You can find us on Facebook just by searching Define University. Check out everything that we offer at www.defineuniversity.com. And I want to highlight for you the monthly membership. So remember, for $19, you are gaining access not only to exclusive podcast episodes, to video, a video resource library, as well as a webinar every single month. And best part, in addition to that, there are two, yes, two 
Q&A calls every single month where you get to ask your questions in real time. So with that, check it out on the website, message me, email me, you guys know where to find me. With that, have an amazing week ahead and we will talk soon.